Welcome to The Sound of Design with Mark and Dan and Christian. Hey! Hey! <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Uh, all right. Well, uh, on today's episode, uh, we have uh, special guest Christian Morales uh, with uh, JBL Harmon, and uh, uh, he's going to talk to us all things uh, JBL and Harmon and uh, a little bit about himself. Uh, we'll do some background uh, info uh, so you guys get to know him a little bit as well. Uh, we're also going to do um, some fun things. Uh, we've got some demo tracks that we're going to get into, and uh, we're going to talk about where uh, the high end industry is going. Uh, we're going to hopefully hit touch on JBL synthesis. Um, so we got a lot of fun things to uh, to get to. So again, thank you for being here. Thank you for having <laughs> me, man. I'm so excited. Uh, so to uh, start off with, uh, maybe Christian, give me a little bit of uh, background. Uh, how'd you get your start in AV and uh, you know, kind of where you came from and uh, a little bit of that journey. Uh, what brought you to this point today where you're able to uh, rep with uh, JBL and Harmon? Awesome. Yeah. So I uh, started many, many moons ago, back late into 2004, uh, where I actually started out in the in the pro space doing uh, pro production uh, for uh, one of the TV channels out there, which is a ton of fun, uh, which is where my heart still lives today. And I, I would love to get back into into that kind of stuff at some point. Uh, but it's kind of transitioning its way there. Right. So, yeah, I did. Uh, I did all their live production for shows, concerts, uh, award shows, miscellaneous uh, other events that they had going on. And I did that for about four years before I transitioned into uh, sales, where I got to move from New York down to Miami and uh, and started my sales career uh, where I got to meet you two awesome fellows, <laughs> which is which is fantastic today. Uh, and yeah, we were really big on the premium space uh, for sales where we, we sold a lot of high end brands and cool stuff that you guys talk about on the daily, which I really, really enjoy. Uh, so thank you for starting this podcast, guys. It's, uh, I think, totally worth it. <laughs> I, I think so, too. And there, I, we haven't found anything like it yet. So not to uh, toot our own horn, but, uh, you know, like, comment and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> share button, share button. That's it. Uh, shameless plugs. Awesome, man. <laughs> well, cool. Um, well, we appreciate you coming, man. Um, I know that, uh, you know, you've been working with JBL and, and Harmon for what, a few years now. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, uh, great, great brands. Uh, first, we should understand Harmon before we understand any of the brands that fall under Harmon. Uh, the biggest thing about Harmon, which is what attracts me to them to begin with, I used their products when I was in pro. I loved their products when I sold it. And now I love their products because I work for them, which is wonderful. Uh, but part of the reason their products are so good is more than just the product itself, but it's all the science and research that goes into said products. A uh, big, big part of it is going to be what we call Harmon X or the Harmon X research team. That's what makes Harmon famous. It's what makes it the global brand that it is, is all of the science and math and research that goes into every single product, every single thing that we do uh, is huge, right? So it's backed by very, very, very famous people in, in this industry. Uh, if you guys are familiar with Dr. Floyd Toole or Dr. Sean Olive, uh, Todd Welty is another really big one. So they are the leaders in this research program. And what's awesome is not only is it stuff that we use for our own products and our own devices, but they get to publish their work so everyone can see it. You can go online, you could research this stuff and other other manufacturers use it, other brands, other vendors, even just uh, on the production side, they use that same science, that same research, research when it comes to how do I make something sound good in a room? It, it's kind of like, you know, programmers will talk about open source, right? It's like we have the code, right? And anybody has access to it. And so that's correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I'm hearing you say. Like, that's what you guys are doing is yeah. it's like we figured this stuff out. We did, you know, we spent the time and money and effort, but this is knowledge that everyone should have yes and have access to they truly feel that they want to better the entire audio industry and you know lift all boats if you will uh and that's how they do it they they put in the work they put in the effort and they still do it today i know uh Do floyd tool is retired and he's living his life very very well but <laughs> dr sean olive uh who's one of the smartest guys i've ever gotten to meet in my whole life uh he's super cool to talk to you he's huge into headphones right now and that's that's his thing so okay. he's doing a lot a lot of research right now on how to better headphones and then spatial audio and headphones is another big to do we just talked yeah. with uh steve uh yeah. pardo on a previous episode about spatial audio 
and there was a huge push, especially with VR headsets and some of those things that have kind of hit the market is it's like, yeah, everybody's going that direction. We've seen it on Tidal, all the major streaming platforms. Everybody's going, I think, that direction. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, the feature of a lot of things, especially even in home theater design now, too, because spatial audio for music is a, a good thing for surround sound. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you a quick follow up uh, to to that. Uh, you know what is is I, and this is not to get like super organizational, but uh, kind of tell me a little bit about some of the history because I don't think it was always Harmon. I thought JBL was their own thing for a while, right? So could you tell me a little bit about maybe just the progression of how those two brands got to be the same? And I take it Harmon is the parent company, yes, right? And are there other brands under that? Yeah, so that we should be aware of. There's a ton of brands, uh, especially when we talk about Harman Professional. The list gets longer, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I work directly for Harman Luxury. Okay. And essentially how Harman generally works is if they find a brand that meets their thought process, right? The what what meets what they do with their science and their research, and it falls under that same kind of umbrella, they say, hey, what can we do to make that brand a part of us? Uh, and they've done that with JBL. They've done that with Arcam, which is a huge one for us. Awesome. Uh, right. So in the luxury space, we do have, you know, we have Arcam, which is a great electronics company. Uh, obviously, JBL, which we're talking about a lot today. Uh, two big ones are going to be actually Harmon born and bred is Revel. Uh, so really, uh, yeah, that's a fun story because when Harmon acquired Mark Levinson, which is some of the best electronics out there on the market, right? Like some would say the reference point of amplification. Uh, we didn't have a product that was as accurate, if you will. So Sidney Harmon went out to build Revel to match the capabilities of Mark Levinson. So we had something that went together. Together. Side side. Okay. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. It's, yeah, it's kind of cool. That is awesome. Well, and my favorite. So. I love a lot of amplifiers, okay, and I really do think that they all do a fantastic job. Um, Arcam has just a ton of power, so mm-hmm. it's like a really bold, very strong, like amazing kind of a sound. Um, obviously, we like Mac, but there's something about when I first heard Mark Levinson where I went, oh, that's really good. <laughs> I can't say that word. Uh, <laughs> uh, that is like the most uh, – it's smooth. It's buttery. It's uh, rich. It's detailed. Um, it's like a thousand dollars steak that you get to ha- listen to all the time. I know it sounds like a weird, <laughs> you know, analogy, but that's that's really like it, when you say reference level. And I had no idea that Revel was designed with that specific product in mind. Mm-hmm. I didn't either. That's pretty amazing, yeah, actually. So if you ever get a chance to listen to like Salon 2s, for example, which are noted as some of the best speakers ever made, that that was because they wanted to have something that paired with Mark Levinson well and could reproduce as accurately as possible. Today, we have the BE series, which is phenomenal. I love the 328 BE is my favorite speaker under the Revel line, like by far. Really? Really? So tell me a little bit about it and uh, what, uh, you know, what, what, what makes that thing uh, what makes that particular speaker your favorite? Uh, really comes down to the ability to have as much detail as possible, right? We always say we don't want things in the way, right? We don't want anything to add compression or add distortion or add noise or anything like that, right? So when you talk about Mark Levinson, that's their whole ideology is I will buy the best available product or make the best available product so that none of that comes through. So you get the full gamut of whatever audio signal is coming through. On the Rebel BE side, it's exactly that, but on uh, you know on the producing it, right? <laughs> so you're talking about the the composite drivers, the ceramic composite drivers, which give you really solid, accurate bass, incredible. Uh, but really, the the key is going to be the beryllium driver itself, right? So beryllium is not cheap to make, right? It's also sure. not easily obtainable. Uh, so you know other manufacturers use other materials for their tweeters. Beryllium for us, we find to be the most accurate. It can produce sound. You know, with high output, just like our JBL products can, uh, with very little distortion. And it's very dense, if you will, I guess would be the right word, where it doesn't flex, it doesn't distort. It's yeah, it's incredibly it, accurate. It's very rigid, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I've heard other brands um, that uh, will talk about their tweeters. And uh, I think you guys uh, are familiar with Bowers and Wilkins, right? Like mm-hmm. they do a nice job, but uh, they ha- always talk about that, uh, you know, kind of accuracy 
by not moving. And uh, that's that's kind of a weird way of saying it. But yeah. Yeah. And that's what it's about. Right. Because the, the more flex to the driver, the more distortion you get. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we, we, of course, add a couple extra things like our waveguide and our acoustic lens, which kind of adds some compression, if you will, like not bad compression, positive compression, right? sure. mm-hmm. fill a space a lot better, but also guide the sound to exactly where we want it. We don't want it to go lost into space or be overly directive where only one spot has the sweet spot if we all kind of guide it so more people can listen. Gotcha. gotcha. It's like a almost like a wide dispersion. So, all right, we've got a ton of brands yeah. um, that you guys uh, are uh, are supporting and, are, and, and represent. Um, which is absolutely fantastic. And I think it kind of speaks to the ability for a purchaser or an enthusiast to be validated no matter what their particular strategy is. And I think that's kind of the most amazing thing. Like we've had conversations in the past, uh, maybe not necessarily on the show, but where we talk about audio as a personal experience. Right. And it's what I like and it's what I want. And it's kind of that correct expression of selfishness, Mm -hmm. I think we've said before. And so giving uh, people at different price points, different with different ears, with different purposes, the ability to get what it is that makes sense to them. Right. I think is just absolutely awesome. So, yeah. that's really, 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 really cool. That's yeah. really cool. Which is really the guiding factor behind JBL, right? And as we dig deeper into that, it's JBL is for everyone. And that's why I love the brand so much. It's, it's genu- genu- genuinely for everyone. It doesn't matter if you are a five-year-old with headphones and a little JBL clip. It doesn't matter if you are a college <laughs> kid with a JBL soundbar or maybe, you know, 4305P studio monitors or something like that. Or, you know, you are well off and you have a JBL synthesis theater and, you know, or a true studio. Right? Like you have a beautiful studio here, right? Yeah. You make really good studio <laughs> monitors for that. And, you know, maybe you are a professional and you want JBL VTX line arrays to be set up in your, you know, concert venue. It's, uh, it's for every single human being and we have a fun game uh where we call it we we two ways right it's either spot the jbl right or jibble <laughs> as we jokingly say uh and i love you know my friends in the vendor community that's that we have a text string where we share and it's literally like man christian you're here again <laughs> it's a it's a fun game that we play and the second part of that and i, I like to get customers involved in this one is what is your jbl story right because everyone has a jbl story of some fashion where you know maybe they had speakers because their dad you know had jbl speakers in their family room or whatnot or maybe it's you know my 1980 camaro got jbl speakers and i went on my first date in that thing right so there's i, I bet you guys have jbl stories of some sort i absolutely i do, do. yeah go ahead mark i mean mine isn't that that fancy but um when i first went to college i needed a pair of speakers for you know to, to run i out of itunes out of my my powerbook g4 Woo. apple you know, before <laughs> intel even got involved um but i needed something and i did a, i just googled like best whatever computer speakers and this was in 2005 right but jbl popped up first and i'm like oh so i and i had gone to a lot of concerts warp tour was a big thing and that was most of the line arrays that Love you would see so i'm like well they use them at you know, at warp tour, so they gotta sound good, right? And they were these little bitty, you know, pods with this funky looking subwoofer. But I had those things for like until I moved here. I have that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, uh, and they were fantastic speakers, even though they weren't what I would call fantastic today, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for what they, but for what they are, they were incredible. Yeah. It's it's funny you mentioned that uh, they're computer speakers. So mine is actually the JBL Flip. Mm-hmm. So and I don't want you to take uh, offense to this, but um, I bought one of those for my wife so that way she could Bluetooth to it, mm-hmm. right? And that for people who don't know, the JBL Flip is a very small speaker. I want to say like what five or six inches tall, yeah. maybe two inches around. Not something you know that we would consider a premium sound. Mm-hmm. And but that wasn't its purpose, right? right. Just I want to get something a little bit better, maybe than. Uh, what my cell phone is or, or or what what have you so as time goes on in our house i start putting in nicer nicer speakers okay i've spent 
you know, three grand over here and I get a $2,000 power amp and I get a really nice $2,000 processor <laughs> and I'm putting stuff in the wall and I'm running wire and I'm doing all these things. And I asked my wife, I was like, so what do you think of the new stereo? And she's like, well, I don't use it. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean you don't use it? Story of my life. Yeah. Oh my goodness, man. And so yeah. what does she do? She's like, she pulls out the JBL flip and she's like, I use this. Cause I like it and it works for me <laughs> and I like the way it sounds. And I was like, okay, all right. I guess 10 grand in audio doesn't mean anything to her, but the JBL flip does. So to that point, it's like, it, it's for everyone. It's, it's it, true. It, it is for everyone. <laughs> and I love that flip. But it's pretty much indestructible. <laughs> I'm not sure how it's gone through the beatings I've put it in through, throwing it in the sand at the beach at like a volleyball game. It does not matter. It survives all things. It's crazy. So it's a JBL one. It still works. It's like it's in the other room. That's like yeah. My wife, that was actually her first Bluetooth speaker that she purchased as well Yeah, to go to the horses. And it's actually still there now. Yeah. It still works. We use it every time we go over there. Yeah. It, it, well, and I think it's a testament to the build quality. And I think going back to what you said originally, which is the R&D, mm -hmm. right? It's the research and development. If you know what you're doing and you've gone through that hard work and you've done the, that process of scientifically verifying and testing and, you know, over and over and over. Well, then, yeah, of course, it makes sense that when you're designing a product, whether it be this level or that level or that level, that it's going to take you the direction that it's supposed to, and you're going to get the things out of it that you want because you've tested it. Yep. You figured it out. It's like, it's not a question anymore. It's just, do you want it or do you not? Right. And that I think is a totally different place to represent a product because you're not questioning whether or not the gear works or is it going to do what I want it to do? No, the, this is one of those, you know, cases where it's like, yeah, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. Everything that's on the box is going to be what it's going to be. And, and that's amazing because there's so much, especially in technology where like it might work for six months or, you know, it may work for a year or it might work for five minutes. And, you know, it's like, so I think it's, it's, it's truly a testament to uh, the quality product that you guys make at every single level. Um, so that's amazing. Yeah. It, it still blows my mind today. Every time I get to go to the office, uh, which I hope to get you guys out at some point, it's out in uh, Northridge, California, the Harmon experience center, uh, which is just outside of Los Angeles. But it's amazing to see all the Harmon X guys, right? The guys who do the initial research are right there and you get to hang out with them and talk to them, but they can leave their little room, walk into the engineering rooms and you have, you know, you know Harmon Luxury where I'm at. Right. And then you also have Harmon Pro. They work side by side because we have a lot of shared technology between each other. Mm -hmm. And it's super cool to see them come out and say, hey, look at this cool thing that I came up with. And the pro guy's like, oh, I can use this. And the luxury guy's like, wait a second, let's take that and put it here. And right. they're just constantly working together to build the best available product that, you know, they can. That they can. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's so cool because it means that what you learn in every potential market is this constant feedback loop of improvement, yep. right? That's amazing. That is absolutely awesome. That is absolutely fantastic. We need to get out there. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah. We can make that work. We, let's, let's have that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally worth it. The experience center is cool just to see in general because you get to see everything we do on pro and in luxury all together at once. And uh, the experience center itself has it all live set up so you can actually use it all. Okay. Um, you see our full array of, you know, AKG headphones, microphones, AMX, DBS. Martin Lighting, it, the list is endless, and it's all there. You get to play with it. It's, it's cool. I didn't realize AKG was one of those brands. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. So, uh, <laughs> man, I could just share JBL stories uh, apparently all day. And literally uh, all day. Uh, yes. Like, it just would never end. Uh, no, they made uh, some phenomenal headphones, and we used them in school. Yeah. Uh, yep. I kid you not. Like, those were the ones that we used for a year and a half. I sat, and I listened on. Like, that's... <laughs> Amazing. It's really cool. Yeah, when you think of the power of Harman and everything we use today, right? Like uh, we joke internally, and I say it in some of my trainings. You guys probably have heard this in a training before. But, you know, a customer drives to the movie theater to go watch, you know, whatever movie floats their boat. Or maybe they want to go see the T-Swift concert in the movie theater. And they're listening to it on JBL speakers. But then they jump in their car. And chances are they're listening to it on a Harman product in their car. Right. And then they go home and they play it back on more Harman products. Right. So we are in every facet of your life without even really realizing it. Realizing it. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's funny you bring up car audio. Like. I didn't realize that you told, I think you told us like maybe a year or so ago that a lot of products 
that maybe have other brands' names on them even are possibly engineered by you. Is that correct? Yep, that's 100% correct. Yeah, so that blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I could <laughs> A lot of big ones, too. <laughs> Any brand, you name them, and it could be in some way uh, have been uh, researched or developed by you. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'd like to say by me. That, that <laughs> specifically, by specifically Christian. <laughs> it's not me, guys. <laughs> That's all right. Well, uh, so we obviously, uh, it, it's a huge brand uh, and assortment of brands is probably a more accurate way of saying it. Uh, but uh, our focus has always really been more in the luxury or in the premium um, kind of space. And so. If somebody was thinking about putting together uh, a theater room or speakers for their living room or something along those lines uh, in that, you know, maybe a more residential application, uh, what are the brands and uh, what are the things that uh, you guys do uh, that are specific to that space? So especially in theater uh, will be around JBL Synthesis, right? So JBL and JBL Synthesis, while it's the exact same brand, they are divisions of each other, if you will. Okay. Uh, okay. JBL Synthesis is more closer related to the pro space because, as you probably both know, JBL does a lot of cinema work in the commercial cinema. Right? Yep, so absolutely. Are, you know, I don't know, Cinemarks, AMCs, whatever. Uh, we do a lot of work in that space. And JBL Synthesis was born because the top, you know, call it one percenters of the world were going to these cinemas and saying, man, how do I put this in my house? Sure. And they were buying the commercial gear and putting it in their house. And <laughs> which makes sense. Yeah. Because yep. you're like, money is no object. Right. Yeah. Just so, give me whatever it is. And the, the common sense of it was these guys know how to do the cinema. Let me put that same brand inside my own house. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and that still holds true today. Right. And that's kind of where I'm going with is JBL synthesis was like, Oh man, we could we can actually do something residentially here, right? It makes sense. And back then, when they first started, they were truly taking the exact same pro technology, right? So our, our compression driver, which we can talk about more in a second, uh, they said, "All right, let's take this exact same thing, put it into a smaller space, right? Because I don't need to fill a huge auditorium. I'm only now filling, I don't know what, 250 square feet, 300 square feet, depending, depending on, on the size. Right? Yep. Uh, and so, and that's how we scale, right? So we take what would normally fill a giant arena or auditorium or what have you, we scale it down. We don't change the technology. We just make it essentially smaller mm -hmm. to fill that smaller space. And so the first synthesis speaker was born uh, and then became everything else after that. But the important thing to understand about synthesis and theater design for us specifically is it's not just a speaker, right? It's not the electronics. It's not the subwoofers. It's not the room calibration. It's all things working together as one. And that's how we build everything when we design our theaters, because it allows for us to deliver the most predictable experience, right? We can guarantee the outcome or at least know what the outcome is going to be because we are controlling all factors of it. And hence the name synthesis, which by definition is you know, multiple all things, things working together. together. <laughs> so. <laughs> but yeah, so that's how we go about our design process is, you know, we will normally take, you know, the measurement, the seller would take measurements of the room or designer would take some measurements, uh, send us some pictures, give us, you know, as much information as they could about the room. How, you know, what's the seating going to look like? Are we going to do, you know, acoustic treatments or what, what are we doing with this room? And then we plug it into our little program and we, you know, calculate cubic volume. So we know how much air to move in that room. And then we say, okay, cool. What's the customer's budget? And we will design the system to get as best air movement in that room at that budget. Right. Uh, so we can make sure we can do that again, predictable experience and mm -hmm. predict that it'll say, here's what I can expect SPL wise at the listening level. Right. And then we come in and do a calibration afterwards so that you get no loss at that listening position, which is cool. It's amazing. Uh, you remember Steve said this on a previous episode, uh, Steve Pardo had mentioned that he would mix uh, for a short time to a very specific set of headphones. It was when the VR headset came out mm -hmm. and there was only, and he was like, there was a very sweet time because he could control mm -hmm. the outcome. It's like that same concept again, saying like, if I know this is the, the space that we're supposed to be in, then I can accurately now design a system to accomplish that particular objective. Um, it's such like, it's just the, the reoccurring theme. That's all I'm noticing is like, it just comes back over and over. Like, I want to be able to say, yeah, this is the way it's supposed to sound. So it's very, 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 very cool. Yeah. And there's very few vendors that I know that we work with that will tell you, hey, this is exactly what you're going to get to a point, right? 
I mean, we've got other vendors that have helped us in the past with engineering certain systems and whatnot, but <clears throat> outside of here, here's a diagram of the output of the speaker itself. It's not really designed specifically around an entire space, right? So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I would agree with that a thousand percent. And it makes perfect sense too, being that you guys have such a large assortment of brands means that you have access to the technologies at every level. And I love the way that you said it earlier, which was that it's not just electronics, mm -hmm. but of course, electronics are part of the yeah. equation, right? <laughs> like and a substantial one. Uh, and it's not just the speaker, but of course, that's a big part of that equation. Uh, so yeah, again, all those things working together so you can control every aspect. So it really is um, a true custom uh, design that has a guaranteed output, which is so weird because you think about it and it doesn't matter whether it's our industry or others, custom typically has an element of, well, we're going to make it work, right? Sometimes you always end up with this, you know, well, I could do that and we could do it this way and that would be really cool and really unique and really awesome. But you never really know the outcome until you've tried it, right? Right. And so here you're saying the reverse. It's like, no, 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 we know the outcome. Yeah. Like that that's <laughs> like we know exactly what it's going to be. <laughs> well, the big thing with theater is, you know, it's a bunch of puzzle pieces, right? Like each little piece, electronics is one puzzle piece, the speaker's another, subwoofers, whatever. But you want all the puzzle pieces from the same box. You don't necessarily want a puzzle piece from 10 different boxes because is it going to give you the picture you expected? Right. When I can guarantee the box, all I got to do is put the right pieces in place and we're good. Yeah. That's a phenomenal that's, analogy. Yeah, that's awesome. I really, that's, really like that. That's great. I just made it up. Just noted. noted. <laughs> Off the cuff. Well done, Christian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, that's uh, I, I want to say like the, the one of the coolest things that you demoed for us at a, at a training last year, um, and I kind of want to roll this into the philosophy of how we design right we talked about spatial audio earlier but uh there was a demo track and maybe you were going to talk about it in a moment but it was a spatial audio demo track mm -hmm. that we listened to in a synthesis theater and it was the first time that i had actually listened to spatial audio outside of headphones mm -hmm. and i was completely blown away like i mean i had to hold my ear at one point because i was right next to the right speaker but it was I could feel the sound. So when you talk about like when you're designing these systems, because I know that you assist us in, in some cases, what is your your philosophy or what do you like when you're designing a system to help us? Well, I, I try to hit everything down to the science first, right? Before, mm -hmm. like if I can get it matching the science all the way through, then yeah, we have a perfect world scenario, but not mm -hmm. all rooms allow us to do that. <laughs> but so that's like phase one. And what's cool is... I have in my program, I have everything down to the degree of where every speaker should sit. Right. So, okay. okay. Uh, so when, when we decide what the room layout is going to be and where the seating arrangement is, first thing we want to pick is the main listening position. What is the MLP as we call it? And maybe it's the seat right here, right? That's the MLP. So everything gets measured off that seat. So then now I know, all right, cool. My left, right, and center, obviously center would be centered, but left and right should be 15 to 20 degrees off from the MLP both sides right? right and i know where my front wide should sit i know where my surround should sit which a lot of people are confused whether do they sit behind you or do they sit directly here but ideally it would sit you know yes at zero degree or 10 degree in front mainly because our ears are pointed forward they're not flat right, right? so we want to be at that degree same thing for surround backs right they need to be 135 ish degrees on both sides and then you have your atmos heights need to be in proper position as well right so your front height should be your front left height should be 45 degrees from the listening position same thing for front right same thing for rears and then your top middles would be right above you and you grow the system that way and then once once you get that math laid out for the room now we say okay cool what are some weird obstacles in the room what do we have to work around and you know obviously we we plug and play around that but one of the coolest things which is my personal favorite is when i don't know I have direct access to my engineers, so I get to call them and say, "Hey, uh, gotcha. guys, I don't. I, this is a weird room. I don't know what to do here. You know, <laughs> hey, what what can we do?" And they will say, "All right, well, if you use this specific speaker, which has the tweeter mounted at that forty five degree angle, or this speaker has tweeter mounted fifteen degree angle, it'll help you overcome this. Just put it in this spot." And so we have access to all of this, so we can always predict that experience. That's that's awesome. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I think it makes sense, you know, 
to uh, professionals to say that the room is a problem. Uh, but I don't think it necessarily makes sense to the average uh, consumer in the sense that you think of a room and you go, well, yeah, I mean, that's just the space I have. Right. I bought the house. And so you're not really thinking about the room. I know from the pro side, and you guys obviously both know this, the room is just as much a piece of the gear as any other piece of gear because it's physical reality, right? And so you always have to take the room into consideration first and foremost. And I know I do that with a lot of my designs. It's like you walk a space and the first thing you look at is, well, what do I have to work with? What's the room telling me that I can do or not do? And so then to have those tools to be able to say, no, that position should be here as opposed to there. I have not heard other manufacturers talk about uh, ulterior placements. They'll go off the Dolby spec, mm-hmm. right? They'll say like, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm sure that you're going to be very similar or very close. But then to say, yeah, but our gear works to overcome specific room challenges means that you're going even further than what they may have recommended, which is unbelievable. Yeah, and and, and you're right, right? When we talk about all those puzzle pieces, if you will, the room is another puzzle piece that needs to come together. And that's all part of synthesis as a whole is the last piece is always our calibration methods that we use because that's, all right, cool. Speakers need to be in the best place possible, right? We need to make sure we get as close as humanly possible before we get to the last step, which it would be the calibration. Mm-hmm. And as long as everything's in place, and we have the proper overlap of speakers because we all know what imaging is, right? We don't need to explain that, I hope. No. <laughs> well, you don't have to explain it to us, yeah. but for, just for uh, uh, those who are not aware, imaging is where we refer to how accurately a sound will appear in a room according to the way that it was originally intended or recorded to be. So uh, you just imagine if you want to have a person talking at the front of a room, well, then that voice should come from the front. And so when we talk about imaging, it's that, yeah, you hear it and your ears localize where that person is. Uh, so that way, you know, oh, yeah, they're up at the front of the room and I, I hear where they are. So, OK, keep going. Yeah. So a lot of people <laughs> only think imaging is important or relative to two channel, which it is. Right. Don't get me wrong. It's important. Mm-hmm. But where you have two speakers and the singer's in the center and I want to imagine him being right in front of me or her being right in front of me and I have a soundstage of a band. Yes, we want that. But when we talk about theater, it's that times however many speakers are in that room, right? It could be an 11-channel system. It could be a 32-channel system. And we need that image to happen between every two sets of speakers, right? So imagine, I don't know what movie we're watching, but someone's walking across the front stage. I should be able to hear their footsteps go from the right side all the way across to the left side in between the speakers, and I need that image to be true from you know front left to surround left to surround back left. So I need that same image between. And then I also have to do lift for for Atmos heights because the whole point of Dolby Atmos is again spatial audio, which is why we're circling back to what you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. with the demo. Is <clears throat> we want to be in a bubble of sound, if you will. We don't want those channel points anymore. It shouldn't be helicopter takes off and I hear the woof woof here and then silence and then all of a sudden it's in the ceiling. We want to hear a natural transgression to to the next speaker uh so placement and how that speaker disperses right is is huge right that's where we have our our waveguide which helps us guide that sound to where we want it to be because once that's set and then we do the calibration on top of that then it allows us to do that spatial audio demo where you hear you know uh as i call the tiesto tornado (laughs) go all around the room (laughs) it's uh it's really cool because you're hearing it in between speakers as well right right well yeah, that's absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And I think you're right to to call it out because the same principles that we took from hi-fi listening for years and years and years, right, are, you know, researched and developed. And you mentioned very briefly AES, which is the Audio Engineering Society. And I remember coming out of school, that was like the very first thing that they said. They're like, go join AES, go learn, go read, go get access to the articles, go get you know why? Because it's going to be applicable to every single aspect of whatever you do in audio for the rest of your life, right? So, um, well, all right. So we've talked a little bit about design philosophy for theaters um, and for synthesis. Um, you talked a little bit about the calibration. Um, so I'm thinking now, kind of like, where do you see in that luxury space? Um, let's go maybe um, a, one. St- one step up or down, but stay within uh, kind of the JBL family. Uh, what are some of the parts or pieces that we could look at? Maybe I don't ha- maybe I already have an existing room. Mm-hmm. Right. And I want to put something in um, 
but I'm not really sure like what direction I should be looking. Uh, where where would you take me in uh, in the JBL family? Yeah, I mean, we can literally go anywhere, and that's the cool thing about <laughs> JBL, right? We can go down to, I need to build a system using $150 speakers, or I need to build a system using $16,000 speakers. It, right. it, it doesn't matter, right? So really, it's what is the customer's comfort zone around budget first. That That's first and foremost the thing. And JBL Synthesis, synthesis First, has always been known as a very expensive product, right? Because it's like I told you earlier, the top one percenters are what kind of drew drew drove that, yeah, into the industry. But I mean, in today's day and age, I can build a JBL synthesis theater or family theater for as low as twenty thousand dollars and still have it certified synthesis, where we're controlling everything. I can have that predictable experience, which is super cool, and it doesn't need to be a you know, a dedicated theater space. It could be an open family room. And that comes down to the calibration method in the end, right? But then we could also mix and match. If we if we kind of gear away from the certified synthesis conversation, we can go down. Well, first we can go into floor standing speakers with JBL HDI, which gives us sure. the ability to do uh, what you guys experience, which was we call it the JBL family theater, uh, where it's mixed JBL synthesis and JBL HDI. And they're mixed together because they are designed to work with one another. But... We can, you know, build around that in a normal family type atmosphere, a family room or mm-hmm. open loft or something like that. Uh, but then we can scale now even further, you know, into a more budget friendly atmosphere with Studio 6, which is still using a form of a compression driver, uh, kind of similar to what we're using in HDI. Just uh, I don't want to say lesser, just a, a different format. Yep. Um, but it's more budget friendly, but still kind of, we can still predict that experience and we have matching, you know, in walls and ceilings, subwoofers, in wall subwoofers, the, the, the list goes on. <laughs> literally it's endless. Um, but yeah, we can literally go down to any space. It doesn't matter the type of space. It could be open floor plan. It could be a living room, family room, loft, the dedicated theater space, studio environment. It can go into anywhere and it comes back down to the finalizing it with that calibration piece to make sure we correct for any weird abnormalities. Could you go a little bit more into the compression driver? Cause you've heard you mention it now like two or three times and just kind of walk me through kind of what that concept is. Yeah. So the compression driver is the heart and soul of our, our, our speakers, if you will. Um, it came from pro. That's one of the, the technologies that came from the pro space that transitioned over to luxury space. So we all have been to a concert, I'd hope. Yes. Yep. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned it earlier when, when you went to your concerts, uh, the, the line array speakers there. So the heart of the line array speaker is what we call the D2 compression driver. Uh, and it was built for a very specific reason. So one, we know we did the science. We know what we need to happen to make it sound good in a room, right? Thank you to the Harman X team for that. The compression driver allows us to do that in any format space. It doesn't matter how big the space is. What's cool about it is the simplest way to explain is it allows for ultra high output, meaning we can get very, very loud with very minimal distortion, right? So we can fill a big arena. We could fill a big outdoor venue. We can fill an auditorium, you know, a cinema auditorium. We know how to do it, and we can do it with almost no distortion on the line, no matter how loud we get, which is really, really cool. That's incredible. I just want to pause for a second and maybe say, like, imagine turning up your car stereo too loud, and what happens? Well, it gets noisy and garbage and distorted and like you you hear like it goes wonky on you because you're pushing it past its limit and so you're saying you have a tweeter that you can push pretty much as far as you want to go and there's no distortion yeah i mean i wouldn't say as far as you want to go necessarily but your ears will bleed by the time (laughs) so all right so yeah as as far as reasonably you should go (laughs) a lot of it without getting way tech specy here is you know you think of a a average traditional dome tweeter has an average breakup uh point of around ten thousand hertz meaning at ten thousand hertz you're getting so much flex on the on the driver that it's starting to distort Ours doesn't break up until 30,000 plus, depending on what it is, which wow. you can't actually hear. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's like having a car that goes 200 miles an hour. Like mm-hmm. you're going to have accuracy and precision and control at 70 miles an hour in a way that you couldn't, if your t- car topped out at 70 miles an hour, can't, it's going to shake and vibrate and do all the wonky things exactly. because you're pushing it to its absolute limit. Whereas what you're saying is no engineer the spec three, four, five times, you know, or 
hundred times <laughs> past what it should be used. So that way you're accurate and smooth for everything that you're going to hear. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. And it comes down to the design of the driver itself, of course, right? We call it the V-shaped annular ring diaphragm, which no one cares what that actually means. <laughs> but what, what it means is it's essentially shaped like an ice cream cone, right? Or, or the inside plug of a fire hose. Uh, and the reason for it is we all know triangle is the strongest shape. Right. That's what holds bridges up, holds buildings up. So we essentially designed the driver around that. So there that breakup period or the flex in the driver can't happen. That's awesome. Yeah. That is very, very, very cool. That bridge analogy is sweet. I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. again, file it away. Man, I'm just <laughs> keep peeling these off. All this is right? great. <laughs> keep going. man. Yeah. So and it is cool. So the compression driver, while it is the heart and soul of the speaker for us, right, it's there's more to it because we can't just have all this power, right? With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Joke. Well done. Right. <laughs> Points. Uh, so we, you know, uh, again, imagine a fire hose, if you, right. A full, you know, full force just spreading all this noise out into the, into the field. We need to control that. So what the, the teams did both on pro and locks, this is them working together. Cause they, it's, exactly the same on, on both right so you guys probably seen the m2 studio monitor yeah right mm -hmm. you got that cool little waveguide yep. around the driver so that uses that same compression driver but we added that waveguide so we can control exactly where that sound is going we don't want it to just go into the ether everywhere because there's something as good reflection and bad reflection we need to control the bad reflections if you will and we only want to use the good reflections so we can make the sound sound real like a human being in the room right like mm -hmm. let's sound like the human is there right not, not synthetic or not you know bounced off of a million things in the room and causing you know bad reflections at that point so it's a partnership of that pro d2 compression driver mixed with this waveguide together gives us what we want to create that imaging if you will out of the speaker that's amazing it's super cool and then that same thing transitions to all models within the synthesis line and the hdi line and all the studio monitor series uh it's it's just scaled based on size and size of room yeah well and it's timbre matched is what you're saying right, right? so like the tone will match regardless of what combination that you have to work with, which makes it our job as a designer a lot easier because now we can, when you walk into that space, you walk into the room, you go, oh, okay, I can do this. I can do that. I can do this. I can do that. And I know that it's going to work the way that it's supposed to um, in every single case, which is again, really, really makes our jobs, jobs a lot, a lot easier. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, do you want to bring up demo tracks? Yeah, I think that's a good uh, good point. Uh, so, yeah, what what tracks do you like to use? Um, There's a lot demoing. <laughs> so I might have to pull my phone out just to go through the hundred something list. Um, I, I guess let's start back to your spatial audio one, right? Because mm -hmm. we're mainly talking about theater here and. First, spatial audio demos are going to be huge. You, you, we had briefly talked earlier uh, about like things in the future, right? And what's yeah. coming down the line. And home cinema is not just used for cinema anymore, right? It's now used for concerts. It's used for just you know at most recording music, just you know just, just sitting there and listening to music. Uh, and that demo track is Tiesto Boom that we we love to use <laughs> it because. Not only is it just super cool because the movement all around the room, uh, but it's also very dynamic, right? Where it's, oh, I can play it screaming in your face and it doesn't hurt your ears, which is really cool about it, right? That's one of the, the benefits of the compression drivers because that distortion doesn't exist. You're not sitting there saying, ow, this is too loud. I mean, it, it, we played it loud in that demo, but it was still tolerable. Mm -hmm. so maybe not for Mark because his ear was literally it, just... It, it was, <laughs> I was standing up. It was, I was not in up the proper space. <laughs> But so it's super dynamic. It's got a ton of bass, which you could feel the bass in the room, which is really cool. But most importantly is it shows off the spatial audio capabilities and how the sound moves around the room. And the reason why I'm saying that's a new and upcoming thing is a lot of artists today are starting to either record in Dolby Atmos, which is amazing, or mix and master their previous product into Dolby Atmos, which you can, you know, obviously listen to. But beyond that, they're also starting to perform live in Dolby Atmos, which is really cool. So I don't know if you guys have seen the Dolby Atmos uh, live theater in Vegas, not the Sphere, but they have a, a Dolby Atmos venue where, so I, uh, a Maroon 5 just signed a, a couple month residency there. What? They're going to perform in Dolby Atmos. That's amazing. Super cool. I didn't yeah. know about it. 
And another cool thing, uh, which I got to experience with some of my peers, is we saw Roger Waters live. Uh, it wasn't necessarily uh. in Dolby Atmos, <laughs> but it was in full surround sound in a stadium. Oh, my goodness. Super cool. Like, you think about, you know, uh, like the song Money, and you have like, all the change dropping, the registers closing. It felt like the coins were dropping in the seats in a <laughs> massive, like, you know, arena. Like, it's it's crazy, uh, which a fun fact is Soundcraft, which is another one of our professional brands, is oh. one of the only mixing boards that does surround sound mixing. Uh, another uh, JBL story. Uh so we used Soundcraft mixers uh, out in Los Angeles when uh, I had just gotten out of school and I did uh, live sound for about a year and a half in uh, the hospitality space. And we used Soundcraft mix- mixers. So, yeah, there's another JBL story for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's endless. I'm it's, everyone has one. That's amazing. Right. Whether it's JBL or Harmon or some mix of both. It's it's, it's somewhere. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that Tiesto Boom one is a really good demo track to show off spatial audio and show customers like, hey, this is what you can do with music now, right? It's not just two channel. Yes, buy a good two channel and have that as part of your system. But now let's add to that two channel and take this music all around us. And I think we learned not just us in, you know, in JBL or Harman, but just in the world during COVID was a lot of people want to spend more time together uh, as family. We're kind of stuck with each other at the end of the day. This but, is true. Right? But it's <laughs> more people listening together in a room and <clears throat> while two channels great for that if i can have five six seven of us and listen to it in all surround sound why not right like it brings more families together more friends together i we did it last night last night we did have a taylor swift watch party yeah which was super cool uh totally worth it uh i recommend watching it are you are you a swifty i i am yes a swifty. yeah <laughs> My daughter is also, she's worse than me, but <laughs> significantly worse. Um, it's actually funny that we bring her up because she's such a Swifty. All she wanted for her birthday was a record player. That's all she wants. Okay. And I was like, I don't know if you're ready for a record player. She's 12 on the, you know, the little cartridge can get a little, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. a, a little iffy for a 12 year old, if you will. Uh, so I did, I bought her all of the, the Taylor Swift records, all, all of the Taylor's versions, if you will, because yeah, I heard there was a thing about the version. So yeah. like, keep going. Big thing. Um, <laughs> so I got it and I, I'm not necessarily ready to get her the record player yet because we all you guys know me. I'm not going to just buy a $50 record player. I'm going to buy one that we know. Yeah, that's actually good. Well, <laughs> uh, which we have one. So I have a demo unit, which I used for Black Friday weekend uh, at one of the store locations. I brought it over to do demos. I said, let me just play it in the house and see if she can learn how to use a record player. And uh, it's called the JBL Spinner. Coincidentally, it's our Bluetooth record player that has the photo stage built into it, which is really cool. Uh, and she put it on like within five minutes of me showing her how to use it. She sat there like old school style. And mind you, she's 12, and, you know, yep. 12 year old ADD brain on top of that. <laughs> it's she's sitting there and she listened to every single record. She got it. The side finished. She flipped the record over, put the thing back on, listened to it again. And for that whole weekend, all she did was sit and listen to every single Taylor Swift track. Oh my goodness. The way it was intended originally, right? Yeah. Like listen, listen to the artists all the way through the album, not just, you know, pick a track, listen to it for 30 seconds, flip the next track to another artist, whatever. And it it was really cool to see everything full circle come back around. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's awesome. That is very, very, very cool. Taylor Swift is the one actually saving the world. Oh. One stereo system at a time. Well, right. I can't believe. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> that's true. Hey, she's dropping changed. bombs. She changed the, the cinema game. I, I couldn't believe the first time I've ever seen a concert in a true cinema, like in an AMC. Yeah. And I was blown away during that moment. Well, luckily for us, we have a AMC Atmos, which is powered by JBL with, you know, a fun plug there. But yeah, uh, I'm sitting there and at first you can see everyone's a little confused. Like they're like, well, should we stand up? Should we sing? Like, what should we do? It's a theater. Mm-hmm. And it was going into the first song. All of a sudden, like two, two younger girls up front stood up and started singing. And then all of a sudden it was just this mass lift. Uh, everyone to the point that I forgot I was in a theater. Yeah. I completely forgot. I'm like, oh man, I want to go to the bathroom, but I don't want to go to the bathroom. I want to keep sitting here and watch everyone sing and dance. And there's girls spinning in circles, doing things. There's people next to me dancing in the aisle and singing. It was just a crazy experience. I've never felt that before. And then I think about my work every single day, like, holy cow, we can transition this into the home very easily. Mm -hmm. And she genuinely changed the game when it comes to that. So, well, and that's 
that's something that, uh, you know, I've been thinking about for years and I know there's like different apps on, you know, Apple TV and other things that you can stream concerts, but it's typically just in stereo. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's a, a big thing that we'll probably see more of in the future because she's been so successful with it is, you know, I mean, I think Beyonce is about to release one, right? Yep, the Renaissance one. Yep. Yeah. So uh, that is awesome just because I wasn't able to go see her that show in person mm -hmm. live. And now I can create that experience in my home. Like that just blows my mind. That, yep. that, that, that And with your family and friends that maybe can't afford to go to the show, right? right like you right. can have five, six, 10 people in the room with you and, and have a good time and mm -hmm. enjoy the music that you love. Well, and I think it speaks to kind of, you know, unintentionally, you know, I think we've kind of, you know, talked about where you're going, which is you want to be able to bring an experience, you know, back home with you that you weren't able to in the past for one reason or another. And I think that's one of those things that, you know, the world has kind of recognized is it's like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to make it everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think we've said it before, like you could spend, you know, 15 or 20 grand to, you know, go to Europe and have a really wonderful time for a couple of weeks and all that kind of stuff. And then that experience is done. It's over. Over. Yep. And you're stuck and you're like, I, I'm sure it was worth it. Right. And there's a value to that. But why wouldn't I want to be able to bring that experience every single time? Right. Mm -hmm. From and now it's not just Europe. Now it's, you know, Hong Kong or Japan or South Africa or <laughs> like you can bring all of those experiences back to you. And I remember the first time I heard it said this way, that the stereo is the only time machine that man's ever made. And mm -hmm. it's really true. If you get to a certain level, like it sounds like that person's right in front of you. And so I've heard Elvis in the room. He's been gone now for how many years? But like we've gone back in time to enjoy his music. You said the same thing with Taylor Swift. It's like, yes, yeah, that wasn't a live quote unquote mm -hmm. performance. But there she is. Yeah, I felt like I was in the stands just like anyone else. Like at a cinema. It's. And I think it speaks to where we are in technology, which is that you can accurately reproduce it if you do the right things the right way. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, no. Now it's not just listening to a radio like they did back in the 50s uh, or a turntable back mm -hmm. in the 50s. And it comes out of this, you know, kind of squashed sound like this. It's like, no, this is the person in front of you. <laughs> totally so agreed. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's it's wild what we can do today as long as we do it right. But to your point of going into the future, it's uh, music is going to grow more into the cinema space. So having, you know, that idea when designing your theater, uh, you know, make sure you, you can play both. Right. If it's good at music, it's probably going to be good at movies. So always consider that way. And I think that's that's huge. Um, and going back to the Dolby Atmos spatial audio music stuff, it's the list is growing rapidly. If you go on Apple Music or Tidal, you see the it's huge, and you see all the new artists popping out. The Billie Eilish album is actually really good too. Uh, I forgot what city I was in. Maybe maybe it was Louisville. I can't remember. Uh, but one of the guys were like, "Have you listened to the new Kesha album in Atmos?" I was like, "There's like Kesha album." <laughs> That's awesome. And we sat there and listened to it for like thirty minutes, and it was awesome. <laughs> yep. And it, and that's another thing. Like, how often do you get to just sit there and? waste 30 minutes of your life just enjoying music with some friends right like mm -hmm. yeah it's super cool so i think that's the future and uh, there's a ton of spatial audio demo tracks you can listen to but if you want to just you know dip your feet that tiesto boom one would, would be the one that's where you start that's where you start yeah and then obviously moving into movie tracks there's oh my god <laughs> <laughs> there's so many top gun maverick top gun that's maverick it, is right? the most used one ever because yep. it is amazing Yes. yes, they did do a very good job. Yes, they did do a very good job. Yes. So obviously that one. Uh, and there's many clips in that that movie that you can watch. And I won't even go down that path. Yeah. Um, personal favorite that I like to do, especially when I'm doing trainings, uh, because I need my trainings to be like stupid simple. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want it to be overly complex. I don't want them to overly think like, oh, did that happen or did that not happen? It's like very obvious uh, is uh, James Bond. No time to die. Uh, it's chapter four. If you need to know the exact chapter. Nice. Uh, it's one of the opening scenes before the opening credits roll. And it's a car chase scene uh, where, you know, in James Bond fashion, he's driving away from the bad guys that are shooting him and whatnot. Right. Uh, what's really cool about that scene is when the system's done right is first as he's racing down to, to get to his end goal, you can hear him arguing with the girl in the car. And the center channel dialogue comes through very vividly, even though. 
there's all this other craziness happening all around between gunshots or car scraping or explosions or whatnot. That still comes through down to the point that you hear them breathing when the system's done right. It's super cool. But when the subwoofers engage, which is my favorite thing about our systems is how good we do bass, is there's a scene where he gets into a car accident in the middle of this European square. And when that car hits, that impact hits, you feel it through the room as if you were in the car. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but then right from there, it kind of like goes silent for a second. Like it gives you a second to catch your breath mm-hmm. and you hear all of the, you, it's like a European square, if you will. And there's all yeah. these like bells up above. And that's when the Atmos kicks in and you hear the bells all around the room being bing, 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 bing all around. And it's so obvious that Atmos is working and people always, no matter what, I'm a huge people watcher, always go, Oh, what? What was that? <laughs> Where's that coming from? Right. And and that's the key to a good system is they shouldn't be able to tell where it's coming from because the imaging should be so good that it's just all around you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not to circle back and really hit the nail on the head here, but that calibration method in the end is what really makes that happen for, sure. for the people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's a couple other things that are cool happening. You know, a cool gunfight cool my gunfights are not cool but it's cool if you're action person yeah uh but you know the bullets are flying you feel the bullets go pew 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 through the room because that's what bullets sound like um (laughs) but then this guy comes out with this massive rifle i'm not a gun person so i couldn't tell you what kind of rifle it was but he's shooting the the window point blank and it's a bulletproof window and the detail that can come through because you know whoever mastered this scene just did it so well, but you hear the splintering of the glass as it's hitting the wall. Oh, that's awesome. But not only that, you feel the base of the impact as if we were a character in the in the car as the bullet's hitting from the outside. It's it's a really cool scene and it's a ton of fun for Dolby Atmos. But yeah, that's another another good one. Cool. I love it. I love it. Well, it's time to get uh, James Bond uh, going back in this house. I have not watched those in a long time. And so there's a lot. Yeah, we need yep. to. We need to go on a James Bond uh, cinematic journey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they were recently on like Hulu or Amazon or one of those, all of them in 4K. So, you know, I've like watching them from, you know. Yeah. 20, I think it was FX did like 20 years ago, 20, <laughs> 21 days or 20 days of 007 or something like that at Christmas time. And yep. yeah, I think uh, we're close to the holiday, close enough to the holiday. We need to, we need to bring that back. So. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> um, as far as other demos, uh, movie demos at least, um, Ghostbusters is another one of those like stupid simple ones. Mm-hmm. And I like to keep everything nice and easy. So it's the opening scene of the the most recent Ghostbusters, which apparently they're making a sequel to. I'm super excited. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the real big thing on that is it's a dark and ominous scene. But there's some really cool Atmos imaging parts of it if you will so the first and foremost is when the car is you know running away from the ghost and they're driving to the house and he breaks through the gate and you're like all right cool the car broke through the gate and it sounds cool but then all of a sudden the ghost is chasing him and you feel the ghost come through the middle of the room <laughs> oh my goodness it's like wait a second this is ghost like actually here uh, I think that's a really cool scene. And then obviously he gets into the house and uh, I don't want to ruin the movie for those who haven't seen it, but he gets in there. Some stuff happens, but the footsteps of the ghost, you feel thump, 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 just like if he was walking across the room, which that's again where that imaging really needs to to show off because it should feel like it's walking across the room. It should yeah. just be thump, silence, thump, so on. Right. Uh, and that, that shows that off really, really well. And then cool explosions happen after that. But. That's that's a that's a great call out too, and it's one of those things. Like I'm not a big horror movie guy, and uh, but I remember when we first started, it was like uh, I was an intern out in Los Angeles, and my boss looked at me and he goes, "I want you to watch this scene with the sound off, mm-hmm. just so you understand." And he put on something I think it was like Scream or something, like just some generic. Mm-hmm. And I and I I'm watching it. And I was like, man, this is actually really silly. Yep. Like it was like the exact opposite of scary. I was like, I don't know why everyone's so scared. And it's like, then you turn the sound on and you're like, oh, and all of a sudden, like that impact was right there. And you're going, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that that's 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 happening. So Ghostbusters would be a good one. Yeah, that's a really awesome. Yeah, one. There used to be a, a commercial on TV for for some artsy school for film direction or whatever it was. And uh, it was all about audio in a movie. And it was, I thought it was the greatest commercial ever. And I want to find it and like put it into my trainings going forward. But all it was was a bee. 
a bumblebee flying through mm-hmm. the air. And it was like, all right, here's a bumblebee without sound. Like, what's the bumblebee doing? And you're like, no, 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 this is dumb. Why am I watching this? <laughs> and then it was like, well, here's a happy bumblebee. And it had like just like happy music with it. Like, and they're like, oh, I love this bumblebee. This is awesome. But then it was like, this is the death bumblebee. And it had like <laughs> ominous music playing in the background. And you're like, please don't sting me, even though bumblebees don't sting. You felt that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, it was the coolest commercial ever because it really shows off what the three of us do every day. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was really cool. But yeah, bring that system to life. And yeah. that's the reason why when I watch horror movies, I'm holding my ears the whole time so I don't hear all of the scary uh, sounds. Because I'm a wuss. Uh, listen. I don't watch them uh, without I'll, holding my ears. That's fair. <laughs> uh, you're braver than I am. I won't even go in the room. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. <clears throat> what else from demo standpoint music stuff because uh, I mean our stuff can play anything right it doesn't matter music movies what have you um, I got this demo has been used a thousand times and I'm sure you guys have used it a thousand times the reason I want to bring it up though is one it's my go-to demo that I have so memorized that I don't ever have to think it's sure. just like autopilot go mm-hmm. but it also brings back a really cool story which I won't give just for sake of time I'll give you the full story but you had mentioned about how audio is a time machine right yes and mm-hmm. this demo I got so good at it because when back in my my sales days uh, I would I delivered this to a customer it's like one of the first like really good two-channel audio sales I've sold. And I share this story in, in some trainings, but what was so cool about it is I played the demo, and I'll explain what it is in a second, but as I went through the art of the demo process, right, which I'm sure you guys know inside and out, and I'm explaining it to the customer, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm just going to play this song for you. I just need you to sit here and listen, listen to this. Uh, and if it's okay, I'm going to dim the lights, but I really want you to understand what's about to happen, right? And I paint the picture and I tell him, you know, we're going we're gonna to listen to the track. And he, he was already connected to the track, which helped a lot. Uh, but when I play it, you know, just understand there's going to be a, like 1970s AM FM radio that's going to sound like way off over here. And it's it's so obscenely bad. You're going to be like, why are you playing this for me? And I want you to understand that that means the speakers are good because it's a 1970s AM FM radio. Does that sound good? Yeah. The guy's like, no, okay. definitely not. Uh, but then, you know, the, the lead singer is going to play the guitar and sing for us, but it's going to be front and stage right in front of you. And, you know, there's a couple of things like he's going to clear his throat. And he's going to cough. Yep, I was going to say the cough. You know? and, he's going to cough. Yep. and if the imaging's good enough, it's going to sound like it's going to fall on your shoe a little bit. Like, you know? like don't get grossed out. It's cool, but it's just really good imaging. Uh, and then he's going to strum the guitar. He's going to play the guitar alongside to that AM FM radio that's playing way over there. And I do the demo for the guy. And afterwards, as I'm getting ready to lift the lights back on, and there was a, uh, another salesperson in the room with me when this happened, but I, all of a sudden I see tears going down his face, like like slow tears. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, in that moment, you're kind of like, oh man, what did I do? Like, this could be either really good. Really or good or really bad. bad. <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> and so I, I, say, I turn the lights on. I'm like, hey man, so, uh, so what'd you think? What'd you hear? And he's kind of sniffling. And he was like, that was amazing. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, what did you hear that made it so amazing? He said, I heard everything that you said, but most importantly, it brought me back to a memory of my father that I had not thought about in years. And he's telling me the whole story. And the memory was his him and his dad didn't have the greatest relationship, but what they did do a lot together was go to concerts. Oh, okay. And the one concert they went to like the most was Roger Waters, Pink Floyd. And this is a Pink Floyd track. And you know, yeah, you wish you were that. here. Wish, wish you were here. here. Yep. yep. We're circling back to this. Um, but his most fond memory of his dad was singing along with him at a concert to that song, Wish You Were Here. And he's telling me the whole story. And then his dad had passed away like a couple months before this moment in time. And it was just all flooding him with emotion in that moment. And a good two-channel demo track will turn you into that time machine and bring you back into that moment because we as human beings are emotionally tied to music, whether we want to admit it or not. And that's... That song was that for me, and now it's stuck in my head forever. I have it memorized, and I will do it for anyone who I'm unsure of what they might like. I know it's going to nail somewhere. Yeah. Well, and I think it's really uh, amazing, too, because we talk about music being almost, you know, uh, transcendent a little bit. And I think that's one of the most amazing things about it. And you see this all the time in old folks' homes is that people with dementia or, you know, they'll have, uh, they get to a certain stage in life and they're not quite as responsive and things along those lines, but you put music on mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they can sing every single note and they remember all the lyrics. And it's like, it's this amazing transformation. And if just for a few minutes, 
but it's like they've they've come back, so to speak, in, in such an amazing way. And I think it just speaks to the power of music in our lives. Like yep. just it, it, it is that truly one of the few places we have left where, you know, we can really kind of transcend uh, kind of to that next level. So it's yeah. it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, it's all psychological. Pretty amazing. I mean, even like air, I ride airplanes every day, it feels like now. And even airplanes have con- like progressed over time to now start playing low, like low level calming music. But it's all like popular songs that people might know mm-hmm. and they play it in the background and I, I after talking to some flight attendants because that's like my best friends now that's all i talk to and <laughs> they tell me they do this because see so many people come onto an airplane with such high anxiety about being nervous about airplanes and heights and flying even though it's one of the safest ways to, to transport Travel. yeah but they come on and, the, and what they found was having this calming popular music playing in the background just naturally relaxes people without even knowing that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And but that comes back to the same same thing you were saying. And I think it's amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think it's about time we should wrap it up. Yeah. So uh, I just want to say. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much, Christian, for thank joining you. us. Uh, this has been a ton of fun, man. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. Yeah, <laughs> this has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, time flies, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I guess what we'll say is uh, please like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, feel free to reach out to us if uh, you guys have questions, uh, especially regarding JBL uh, or synthesis. Uh, you know, we'd love to help uh, design that system for you. And so, uh, feel free to give us that opportunity. Uh, if you uh, have, uh, want to go ahead and uh, ring the bell, uh, like us, share with your friends, uh, check us out on YouTube. Uh, we really do uh, appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to join us. Um, and of course, if you have questions, reach out as well. But uh, we will see you guys on the next episode. Awesome.